Awesome. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Trevor Talks on the Ram Radio at Angelo State University. Uh, today I have a very special guest in the studio with me, Dr. File, a professor here at Angelo State University in the mathematics department. Dr. File, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Trevor. Awesome. So I'll start off with some questions here. So you're a math professor here at Angelo State University. Uh, as a part of that, what do you do? Sure. Uh, well, my, my responsibilities are twofold. Um, I guess maybe they're even more than that. But primarily, I'm teaching classes. So I, I teach all across the curriculum. Most of us math professors tend to overestimate ourselves slightly in that way that we can teach the undergraduate introductory classes and then sort of the upper level undergraduate classes and the grad classes. And, and then also uh, I do research here. My, my research area is um, combinatorics, which means essentially that I'm really good at counting and I like to count mathematical structures that tend to be a little bit more complicated and interesting like uh, what we call matroids or graphs, uh, things that are hooked up, uh, dots and lines floating in space, arbitrarily high dimensional uh, configurations. Is there a particular class that you enjoy teaching more than the others? You know, it's, an, it's a good question because um, there's something that I find enjoyable about every type of class that I teach. For example, if I'm teaching an intro class, and you've got all these first-time college students, all these first-year freshmen, you have this opportunity to recast mathematics for them in a way that might be different from what they've seen in high school. Um, usually we get a lot of math phobia. I mean, math phobia is pretty prevalent. It's one of the first things if I introduce myself to somebody and say, look, I'm a math teacher, oftentimes they'll say, oh, interesting, I hate math, right? Like <laughs> it's, not something, it's not something that people tend to be, to be interested in. And so that presents an interesting puzzle for me, right? It's a fun challenge to say, look, the sort of um, the forced computation that you've been that you've been required to do to get to this point is not what we're going to focus on here let's talk about application let's talk about some of the beautiful usefulness of mathematics let's look at the interesting patterns and explore it in a way um, that maybe they haven't seen before so i find that to be particularly rewarding and fun uh, and then on the flip side the upper level math classes that that's just a delight because you're working there with students who are interested in mathematics, right? They're on the other side of that coin where they're, they're passionate about the subject. They want to ask the hard questions. They're willing to do some interesting work. And then you can explore the, the, the deep uh, and beautiful theory of mathematics, regardless of what topic that happens to be, the, whether it's combinatorics or algebra or geometry or something else. So I'm, I'm guessing you enjoy math. How did you uh, originally kind of know that math is something that you wanted to pursue uh, when studying in university and then uh, pursue a career in? Well, I didn't, is the short answer. Um, I went to college for the, for the same reason I think a lot of kids go to college, which is I didn't have any idea what else to do. Um, after graduating high school, it seemed like the logical next step. And I wasn't drawn particularly in one direction or, or another. Um, I, I majored initially in physics and music, I was a double major in, in those two things. And, wow. and it was really just because those were things that seemed cool and that I, could, that I had, had some talent in or you know, that I could do. I found some success in. And over the time of studying physics, over my time studying physics, what I found was that it was the mathematical aspect of all of the physics equations, sort of like the underlying theory that was more intriguing to me than the physics itself. So 
I switched from a music and physics major to a music and math major and then eventually abandoned the music, uh, sort of relegated to, a, uh, I got a minor in music, uh, vocal performance, right? I was singing and dancing and doing oh, all, awesome. these silly, yeah, all these silly things. Uh, but the math, the math to me at that point seemed like a more tractable way to establish a, a profession and establish a career. And, and really what, what helped me make that decision was throughout that time I had I was making money. Uh, one of one of the, the many jobs that I had as an undergrad was uh, math tutor, and interacting with people who were struggling in the subject and bringing them from a point of confusion and frustration to a point of um, empowerment through understanding was tremendously rewarding for me, and I sort of got addicted to that to that feeling of 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 helping someone grow from 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 one place to another, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to I just wanted to continue doing that. That's awesome. Uh, so, in the process of continuing to do that, how did you uh, end up here at Angelo State University? Well, Angelo State University is uh, a special institution in a way that many people probably don't know about, and that is that we have four professors here in the math department who all went to Louisiana State University for graduate school. And and even more sort of narrow than that, three of us study the same research discipline. So we're sort of a little Matroid theory hub here in San Angelo, Texas, uh, which is which is really exciting. So so one of the reasons that that I sort of first found out about Angelo State was because I had peers that I went to school with who ended up coming here. Um, because to be honest, before, before I was on the job market and looking for places to go, I didn't even know anything about San Angelo, right? I had never really heard of it, right? Much to my shame. Uh, but, but having, having applied to the job here, uh, having heard about it through my colleagues and then, and then, um, seeing what it's like, I just fell in love with the place immediately because it reminded me so much of my own undergraduate experience and my undergraduate institution. Uh, the, the, the population of the school is effectively the same. Um, the types of students that come to Angelo State are students that I can relate to, um, first-generation college students right, who, whose parents didn't graduate from college or, or often at times didn't go to college. Uh, and I like working with, with kids like that um, because I, can really, I feel like I can really pay forward all of the opportunity that I had and that I received throughout my educational experience. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so my heart really aligns with with so many of the students here, uh, and so yeah, that's why that's why this felt like such a good fit for me, and I'm so pleased to be here. Uh, this is my third year now here at Angelo State. Awesome. So yeah, San Angelo is kind of a small town uh, as compared to some of the other towns here in Texas. Are you originally from Texas or? Or where are you originally from? So I'm born and raised in Louisiana, actually. Uh, born right outside New Orleans. And then grew up in a town called Hammond, Louisiana. Which, if you're not familiar with the state, Hammond sort of sits at this interesting crossroads between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. It's a small-ish university town. Like I said, um, that, that's where my undergraduate institution is. It was in Hammond. It's called Southeastern Louisiana University. has about... 10,000 students and the population of the town is maybe double that. Um, and and uh, 
but it turns out to be a, re a really nice, it was a nice place to grow up and live because you're an hour away from New Orleans, you're an hour away from Baton Rouge. There's a lot of diversity in Hammond itself. There's a lot of art and people who are interested in different things um, tied to the university. And uh, because of that, because of that, uh, again, that's why I felt sort of lucky to find a place like San Angelo, which reflected um, my hometown in a number of ways. That's amazing. So um, what do you do for fun when you're not uh, studying math or preparing uh, to be a professor on a daily basis? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, right now, mostly I, I you know, we, I hide inside. Uh, right. We're all like so still so quarantined. Um, uh, but but for 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 fun, I guess I'm I'm interested in games. I play a lot of games sort of of all kinds. Uh, whether it's like you know physical physical things out outside with my kids, um, I like I like board games that tend to be in the sort of more abstract realm of stuff that people haven't maybe heard so much about. So like there's there's you know we're not playing Monopoly, I guess is what I'm saying, right? Mm -hmm. um, Settlers of Catan, people have probably heard about, but that's just the tip of the iceberg of this wild world of 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 board games. Um, <laughs> Trust me, it's exciting. I know board games sounds like a stale. <laughs> sounds no, like board games are awesome. I know some people make the joke that they're called board games because they're boring. But <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. In reality, I mean, I enjoy board games too a lot. Uh, some of my favorites were Monopoly and like Life. Always. Uh, yeah, of course. If if you could create your own board game, what are kind of the ideal aspects that you would want to include in that? Yeah. So right now, um, when I think about designing a board game. Um, I would want to have something that's sort of an inclusive, um, more more party style game. I used to be much more into competitive gaming, sort of of all kinds, uh, f whether that was board gaming or, or video games. Right when I was in when I was in undergrad, you know, Halo was the big game, and mm -hmm. and we would go around to like uh, me and my friends would go around to Halo tournaments. Actually, there's one here in Texas, right? The, it's like major league gaming, right? So there was like a part of me that was really into that. And now I've like settled down a little bit more. So when I play games, I want things that uh, are, are silly or more fun. So uh, you might be familiar with uh, like the Jackbox style party games yeah. where it's right a, a, s a little more social interaction, something along those lines. So um, I guess I guess the thing that I, I s play most commonly these days is um, my wife and I are into these escape room in a box style games mm -hmm. that have little puzzles that you work on together so they're cooperative and fun. And then um, with I have a regular gaming meetup with some friends and family, and we've been playing a lot of Among Us, which is like a popular game right that's now. That's awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A and that's that's a that's that that's got so much of the good social element and yeah. then like with some agency among the players and stuff like so. Yeah, Among Us has been a lot of fun. And among Us has also uh, been really popular here um, with the uh, the people here at Angelo State University, the students even. Um, and I know last week uh, we have another guy here, uh, Brian, who also does a talk radio show. Uh, and he was talking a bit about his own experiences playing Among Us uh, on his show and kind of talking about the different aspects of the game. Um, I've played it a couple times. I'm still kind of figuring it out, <laughs> uh, but I downloaded it as a result of it being kind of going viral on, on social media and seeing all these memes about it, and I was like, 
you know, I have to play it so I understand yeah. what all these people are talking about. So yeah. that's really cool. It seems like everybody's talking about the game right now. Um, and it's funny because there's two sort of distinctly different experiences. One is you download and play sort of by yourself with a bunch of random people online, at w in which case you're essentially subject to like the first person who says like red is sus and then like you're out and that's how the game goes. But if, if you can play with a bunch of people that you know, either on like a Skype call or maybe in person or social distance and masked up, obviously, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's a totally different experience because you get to see things about your friends that you probably wouldn't have been able to see in any other instance. Like, oh, I really didn't know that Katie was such a such a good liar, <laughs> right? Like to my face, they just totally convinced me to murder everyone else wow. in the ship, right? That sort of thing. And so I like those moments that the game can create. And that's generally what I'm looking for when I'm playing a game is some sort of interesting tension and, and exciting moments between the players. Yeah, we've uh, we've been seeing that kind of even on social media with some big big name creators and stuff with YouTube and, and TikTok and all that have been uh, some of them have gone to like parking garages and of course now that people are working from home and stuff there's parking garages that are open uh, and so they can they can bring like ten friends together in an, an empty <laughs> parking garage and go play among us safely, you yeah, know, of course, and, and of following course. all of the, the necessary <laughs> protocols. And I think other people have even done it um, in, in shopping centers. And that was another thing that we discussed uh, last week on Brian's show was how interesting it would be uh, we could go play Among Us in a Walmart or in a, in a mall. Oh, sure. That would be pretty cool. That would be great. It, and, and so I, I, I apparently young kids are doing this too. I, I have a friend who teaches – um, fifth grade at Santa Rita Elementary, and she says that during recess, the kids will come and find a teacher and be Whoa. like, "Look, we're gonna play Among Us, like life, like it, like real life Among Us." And so yeah. the teachers will whisper to them, like, "Okay, you two are the aliens today." Yeah. And they'll they'll go out to the playground. And they like walk up around each other, and I don't know how they're like shanking each other. You know, I don't know what, how that actually works, uh, but like they're playing real. So it's it's like every That's like wild. every generation, like everybody's playing this game. It's so it's so wild. So do your students know that you play Among Us? I think one of my classes knows uh, that I play Among Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, have one, I have one group of students who's been trying to get me to come out and play games with them for a while. And because of COVID, it's been too complicated. I haven't been able to make it out. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but some of them do. And it's something that I think would be great. I, I tend to try to promote that amongst students uh, we have a math club in in the in the math department, and one of our uh, go to activities had been game nights yeah. that we would host, uh, which we haven't been able to do. It's been it's, again one of the one of the joys of of quarantine is you can't do any of the fun stuff that you used to do. Uh, but yeah, they 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 know that I'm into games, uh, especially the math majors. Well, so now that we're on the topic of the math club, um, just tell us when and where it is, and uh, how new members can join if they're interested. Oh yeah, of course. So um, we have it's the the official organization is associated with a nationwide organization called the Mathematical Association of America, and our local chapter here is geared towards promoting fellowship and research among people who are have the, the shared interest of of mathematics so they meet every other friday uh, and we actually meet via zoom call so if you wanted to get in on the meeting and just come and see what we do uh, you could send me an email or you could look up the president of the organization 
her name is Amber Vo uh, Huang Vo, and she, um, and we we actually have a great time. Uh, it sounds like, I, I know that to an outsider, um, you know, math club is about the nerdiest club you could possibly join on Maybe campus, so, yeah. with the exception of like anime club or something like that. <laughs> right? No diss to anime club, right? Like that, like 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 more power to you. I probably would be an anime club if I was an undergrad too, but. Uh, but it's actually we have a, we have a really fun time. Um, we see applications of mathematics that you don't see ever in any classroom, and so we have students and professors who come up and do presentations on things like like how you can manipulate blackjack to win at the casino, or um, all right the structure the, this un unusual structure of cells that that have been recently discovered and how they form a new geometric object that has been previously uh, understudied. Uh, so we get to see all these different presentations, and then we'll uh, again. We uh, one of the features of the club is we play lots of games, and so we'll um, we'll play games like a card game called Set, which is like a, a combination matching game or other sort of mathematical oriented um, puzzles and games and things like that. So it's it's pretty lighthearted. Again, one of the primary goals of the club is to promote fellowship among majors and and other students who have math as an interest, and so particularly if you're a st in the STEM disciplines. Uh, we'd be more than welcome. I mean, we'd be more than welcome to have any student who has those kinds of interest. But particularly if it aligns with what your major discipline area is, it would be a good thing to consider. And then on every other week, so so the math club's every other Friday, and in the in between weeks, we have a problem solving seminar that that I host, which is a little bit heavier, I guess. We'll take we'll take hard math competition problems and figure out how to solve those. Again, they tend to extend beyond the things that you see in the typical classroom setting, um, uh, but but are fun nonetheless. Awesome. Yeah, so if y'all are interested, every other Friday is the math club uh, meeting, and right now they're meeting on Zoom, so you guys can all get in there. Uh, head over to the Angelo State University Mathematics Department, and you can find Dr. File's website with his email on it and shoot him an email. Uh, and just ask for some more information about how to get into that club if you are interested. Uh, so as a student, was there any particular piece of advice that really resonated with you uh, that you got from one of your professors or someone else involved in your college experience? Yeah. Um, something that I struggled with in the transition to college life was managing my time, given all the newfound freedoms that I had, living away from home, uh, managing my own schedule. You have to decide when to eat, when to sleep, when to study. And uh, one, of my, one of my professors, who was an advisor and a mentor to me, said to me that hard work is no guarantee of success. But lack of hard work is a guarantee of failure. And I've always remembered that because up to that point, I had tended to sort of coast by, right? Um, in certain subjects, I was clever enough that I didn't have to study very often until it got to a certain level of difficulty, at which point my poor study habits were crushing me. Um, and, and so... He said this in response to like an office hour meeting where I was coming and I was sort of desperately behind. And, and he said, you know, look, the, 
you you might be you might have talents in this in this area but if you don't work hard it doesn't matter because because you're not going to be able to keep up with those people who are both talented and working hard and so for me that was that was um a wake up moment when i realized like okay i need to figure this out and that le- led to a cascading effect where i found ways to manage my time and to structure my study habits to be more successful uh so so for example finding time to to study as a designated part of my day as opposed to a sort of just in time oh i have a test tomorrow so i have to do this or oh homework's due in an hour so i better sit down and work that out carving out fixed time in my day that is uncompromised study time uh you know 10 or 20 hours each week was really really helpful for me to transition from being what was essentially a really poor college student in terms of my work habits to someone who was able to find success all the way through the academic uh, process. Yeah, I, so my next question was going to be, what is your favorite studying uh, strategy that you would recommend to students? Yeah, and well, that's, that's basically it, is um, treat studying like part of your job, right? And when you're building your schedule, so right now it's advising time. Everybody's thinking about their schedule and they're, they're registering for classes and they're building that out. As a part of that process, find windows of time in your day that you can devote to studying and homework and reading for your classes and doing the, the writing and the things that you need to do. The rule of thumb is it should be two hours per credit hour that you're registered for, which I, you know very few people... I think on average tend to do, but if you commit to that, right? If you say, okay, well, I've got to build this in, so my 15-hour credit hour actually turns into a 45-hour work week when I build in all my studying, and then, and then, in order to discipline yourself to do that, find a study space that is something other than your dorm or um, some 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 place that you would otherwise use for for recreation, right? Mm-hmm. So you can say, okay, at this time, I have to go to this place and I'm just going to bring the study tools that I need. I'm going to focus. I'm going to study. I've had several students who I've recommended that to in office hours and the it's been transformative for them. Right? They'll go from someone who comes to class and they, you know, there's this thing where, where you don't want to participate in class if you don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all afraid to look stupid in front of our peers. Right. Nobody wants to raise their hand and say something dumb because we've all done that. Right. You've all I mean, I know I've had that experience where you raise your hand and you think, you know, the answer. And then the teacher's like, no, that's wrong. And then you just feel like an idiot and you're like, I'm never going to raise my hand ever again. Like this isn't this is not who I am anymore. I am all of a sudden like a no hand raiser. Um, But if you if you start building in this time of reading and practicing and prepping, you'd be surprised because you will all of a sudden be able to be that student who can raise their hand and participate in class and share all the right answers. It's not like there's one type or another type. The, the people who are in there in your class who, who come across as being so knowledgeable, they're putting in the work. They're putting in the work. And you don't get to see that because you only see the fruits of that work as it manifests in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, my, that's my, my biggest tip is right, really carve out space to put in the time required to, to be successful, right? Dedicate that space like it's your job, beca- because it is. Yeah. Wow. 
so 2020 has been kind of a crazy year uh, in, in the United States, in the world, and especially in uh, academia. So what is the most drastic change you've kind of seen and gone through here at Angelo State University uh, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? The, the quarantine measures and the ways we've had to modify the, the classroom structure have been the hardest things for me to cope with. I tend to like to run my classes in a, in a relatively engaged way where there's a lot of student participation. I'm often mingling among the students, right, wandering around, checking their work, giving them things to do, having them pair up either, either in pairs or in larger groups. And we're going back and forth with a, with a dialogue about the, the things we're studying and the problems that we're solving. And this semester, my classes were, were so big compared to the classroom size that I had to split them all in half. So for one thing, I only have at most half of my registered students in class on any given day, and the rest are online. And so trying to get that engagement for s from students who are on the other side of a webcam has been, has been a challenge for me. And um, I don't really have good solutions for it other than to try to engage the ones who are there in person and open up communication to those who are on the other side where they can come in through a microphone if they wanted to ask a question or, or answer, answer something. Um, that's, been, that's been really hard, having, being, being unable to interface with the students in the way that I'm accustomed to. And what I've, sort of what I've had to do is, is retreat into a more classical uh, sort of lecturing mode where I get up in front, I do a presentation, I'm obviously asking questions and fielding answers and that sort of thing. But, but other than that, it's mostly me at the chalkboard as opposed to what felt like a more engaged and inclusive e classroom experience that I had been working to cultivate up until this semester. Um, obviously, the, you're, you're making twice as many materials in terms of videos and grading and, 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 and that sort of thing. But that, to me, is less of a quality of life uh, impact than not being able to run the classroom the way I would like to. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's pretty intense. Um, so there's other professors listening, of course, here at Angelo State University. So do you have any good advice to give them for maybe strategies you've used as far as trying to keep students engaged online um, and adapting to this, sure. this changing situation? Um, you know, this is something that I think is so personal to each professor's style that it's hard to give like a blanket recommendation something something that i keep in mind though to guide all the choices that i'm that i'm making right now um is that this is hard for everyone and i think right now it's important to give our students a lot of grace and and to give ourselves a lot of a lot of grace really be patient with ourselves and not hold ourselves up to maybe the standard that we are accustomed to holding ourselves up to um, because it is different and it's going to be hard and right, it's going to be hard for students to meet deadlines. It's going to be hard for students to come to class a lot of the time. It's going to be hard, right? Because in, di in addition to all the COVID, you know, the, the, the pandemic fear and the quarantining, you know, other life events still are, are going on, right? Mm -hmm. People's cars break down, right? Their, their, their pets die. They, you know, all these, all these things are still 
factors that we have to take into consideration. And, and so um, that's been helpful for me because I, I tend to fret about not being able to deliver a, a dynamic uh, classroom experience. And so just, just to give e ourselves and each other some grace during this time, I think, is helpful. And then, and then if, if, if you want a more practical thing, I think the other thing is to just really reach out to your students, um, make yourself available to them, and, and try, to, try to contact them and, and make them feel like you're right, a human who cares about them as a human, as opposed to just you know, a face on the other side of a webcam or something. That's incredible. Uh, so in times, not just in the times of a pandemic, but in general, if there was one thing that you could add uh, to the Angelo State University campus to make your job easier, uh, what would it be? Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking about this question. Um, and this is not something maybe s specifically to Angelo State University campus, but maybe to just San Angelo. I, I want cycle paths. Right? I want bike lanes in San Angelo. San Angelo is such a cool town, and it's not so big, right? It's not so sprawling and big. I mean, it's, it's sort of a joke. Um, I, I'm, when I was in grad school, it took forever to drive from one place to another. Like, the commute was, was hours long. And here in San Angelo, if it takes you more than 10 minutes to get from one place to another place, you get annoyed, right? right? The scale is so much smaller. And so it could be such a good biking town, right? I just... And I, te I tend to like to bike to and from work. I, I don't ha carve out too much time for other exercise right now. But, but I like to bike around. And I always feel like I'm about to be run off the road, right, well, depending on where I am. Mm -hmm. And so if I could just, if I could wave a magic wand and put in cycle paths everywhere throughout San Angelo so you could bike around the place, boy, that would just, I'd just be in heaven, right? That would just be so nice. Uh, and I think, I think that there's, there's certainly room for it, and there's uh, there's I've talked to several people who are also into biking, but are but are dissuaded by, by doing it too much, because, um, it's so somewhat hazardous. Yeah. So that would be my addition. That's what that's what I would change. And yeah, I mean, of course, I see that all the time. The roads are kind of busy. I personally also like to do some cycling for fun, just in my oh, neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so I'm from suburban Houston, so I just bike around uh, in the neighborhoods a lot, where there's not a whole lot of car traffic but once you get out on the the busy roads it's it's pretty busy oh yeah and i had i had an experience um i guess a few weeks ago when i was biking um and it was just a little this was this was right outside one of the neighborhoods i, I maybe it was on sewell ross or something and a, a couple came up behind me in a in a car and it's so this is a right a one lane on either side right it's a two two-way traffic but one lane on each side and they came up behind me and they ran, they like ran up right on me, and then they passed me up and they flipped me off, and, and I was like, well, "What the heck?" And uh, I'm wow. s I'm so stupid, like so, I I want to go like talk to the people, so like they caught a red light and I actually cycled up next to them, and and they had their window down, because <laughs> they flipped me off, right? So their hand was out the window. Yeah. And I was like, "Why did you get so mad at me?" <laughs> right? Just like. Because uh, I just want to, I just want to ask them to get somewhere yeah, yeah. so they're getting annoyed. Yeah, that's right. I just <laughs> and so like and so like I'm not a, I'm, I'm so I'm so dumb. Like I'm not afraid to like I'm like gonna get shot one of these days. Like like talking to people like this. And I'm like, why did you get so mad at me? And they're like, stay in your lane, man. And I was like, 
It's one lane. There's only one lane. Yeah, I was in my lane. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, th- and and actually, it was funny because then they were like, "Yeah, sorry, we just got heated. We're we're both really hungry and trying to get some food. And it's like no no harm, no foul." And I was like, "Yeah, okay. N- n- yep. No worries. That's just I just was confused. Just want to know. I just wanted yeah. to know. I just wanted to know." Um, but so, but th- but this is the point is like there's there's also like a general misunderstanding among people about like what's le- you know bike safety on the roads when there's not a cycle path and all these things and so, right I think that that would improve improve quality of life in San Angelo at least for me uh, if we could just go ahead and paint those in everywhere for sure yeah, yeah. so we have a a little bit of a joke in Houston um, where people say you know you can during normal times. Uh, not during rush hour, of course, but during normal times of the day, you can get from any place in the greater Houston area to any place in the greater Houston area in two hours or less. <laughs> so so this <laughs> 10 minutes to get annoyed is, I mean, that's just, that's a total, I guess, culture shock to me. Sure. Uh, I can't even imagine being able to get places within 10 minutes or less. Yeah. Um, well, the scale changes, right? Because, yeah. like I said, we used to come from a place where it was the same, right? It takes a while to drive from one place to another. Exactly. And then you come to San Angelo, and even for me, who is accustomed to, at other times, having to drive a long, a long amount of time to get places, now I feel that 10 minutes thing, right? If, it takes, if I'm caught at a red light and it's going to take me 15 minutes to get to HEB, I'm like, what the heck is going on? These crazy, get off the road, people. I mean, right? So, like, I think uh, the sense of scale will change you. But all that could be fixed if we put in cycle paths, right? Get more people off the off the streets and on the on the bikes, and then traffic, right? Yeah. Be a big quality of life improvement for everybody. Yeah. So uh, if any of you guys listening happen to be on the city of San Angelo City Council, uh, that is something that the great people of San Angelo would like to see here. We'll see what happens. Maybe someone will hear. Uh, that is it for questions I've got today. Do you want to add anything else? Oh. Um, just I, I want to just thank you for thinking of me and bringing me on the show. Um, it's so nice to be to be so welcomed as part of the San Angelo and, and the Angelo State community. And um, I just want to say good luck to everybody out there. We're going into finals week now. This is the time when all of your classes are uh, we've all of us professors have commiserated to assign projects and due dates all at the same time. Right. It's part of our master plan. Um, so really, really take that time. Um, get your sleep right. Sleep is so important. Eat right. S- keep going to the gym. Keep your body healthy, uh, and then and then study study hard. We're almost at the end. I'm so proud of everybody that we've been able to make it here to the end of the semester. So many other colleges and universities have had to call it quits and go back into to quarantine or lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really proud of the Ram community that we've been able to hold it together. Uh, so good luck. It's been a wild ride. Too. Yeah, no kidding. It has been a wild ride. I don't know if you've been watching the numbers. I, I tend to look at the case count every day and we had a little spike there when I got worried. Um, but but so far we're holding it together. So like 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 I was saying, just stay the course. Keep yourself healthy. Um, we're almost at the finish line. Yeah. So I'll take a minute to just briefly explain to the listeners how we got to this point uh, in the first place. So I don't actually have Dr. File as a professor. Um, the way this kind of came to be was back in February, uh, I was coming here to Angelo State at, at an event called True Blue Friday. It's kind of a, uh, it's you show up on a Friday, it's for students who have already decided uh, that Angelo State is where they're going to be. And so they essentially show up and take another tour of the campus. 
uh, if they didn't come to the campus and, and take a tour before uh, deciding to come here. Um, and, and they do some other things too. Uh, but what happened is, is I came in and we were all in the CJ Davidson uh, conference center. And of course, this was before, this was like a month before uh, everything really hit the fan and the whole coronavirus thing kind of exploded and we had to start doing all these precautions. Um, and so in the conference center, there were some people speaking, giving us kind of an overview of what we were about to go through as far as touring and, and different little breakout sessions and stuff. Um, and Dr. File here happened to be the keynote speaker. And when he was speaking, I was like, this guy is a really good speaker. I want to take one of his classes. And he's talking about these math classes he took. And I was like, I don't think I'll ever have him because I'm one of those people who don't particularly uh, like math, but he actually teaches introductory math too, uh, math thirteen fourteen, the college algebra class. Um, and as luck would have it, I had already taken that as a dual credit class, so I still did not get to have him as a professor. Um, but I like listening to him talk because he's a great speaker and uh, very fun. And so I told myself I was like, if I ever get a chance to listen to this guy give a TED talk. <laughs> Um, I will listen to him give the TED Talk. And uh, this is pretty much the closest thing I have to a TED Talk platform. I've got my nice little radio show here at the Angelus State University Ram Radio. And uh, I think this is going to be a, a fun series. I'll interview some more professors. I'll probably make it a, a little recurring segment, like happening at least once a month. Um, maybe I'll call it, I'll call it Cool Professors because the professors I interview are cool and uh, very, very fun to listen to. So thank you again very much, Dr. File, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It was great to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And thank you all for listening to Trevor Talks on the Ram Radio at Angelo State University. Remember, you can listen live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 Central on TuneIn Radio, or you can listen anytime on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.